Welcome to Love Rules, the radio ministry of Roxbury Presbyterian Church in Boston. My mom, Liz Walker, was Boston's first African-American television news anchor, but her most important job is what she does right now at RPC, preaching the good news about God's love. The Bible says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. How does that work? Join my mom now as she offers us Love Rules from Roxbury Presbyterian Church. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Love Rules. Today's message is called, With a Few Words. Our text today is Matthew, the 11th chapter, the 20th through the 28th verses. I'm going to read just a few for you. Come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus had many elegant, expanded discourses. The Sermon on the Mount, the talk with the woman at the well, his praise for John the Baptist. But as you get to know Jesus a little better, you learn that his simplest messages can have the biggest impact. Just a few words can say it all. In the 11th chapter of Matthew, Jesus praises a disillusioned prophet and and warns an unbelieving people. His words resonate with sinner and saint. The writer Matthew would, would be very familiar with both categories. As a despised tax collector turned disciple, he was well aware of the depths of sin and the loneliness of rejection. And no doubt he would never forget the short, sweet summons that turned his life around when Jesus said, Follow me. Matthew records a rather challenging time in this chapter. He starts early in Jesus' ministry, just after he's finished instructing the disciples, and he's gone out to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. Those who hear him, like most of Israel, have not accepted his message about the kingdom of heaven. And to make matters worse, John the Baptist, the prophet who heralded his coming, now sits in prison, disheartened and uncertain. John sends his followers to Jesus, seeking assurance that this rabbi is indeed the Messiah. Jesus sends word back. Go report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. In other words, I'm doing what the prophet said I would do. Be assured, I am the one. One thing to remember here, John was looking for a Jesus of judgment. Repent, prepare ye the way for the Lord. But Jesus was a God of mercy. The people throughout the land were looking for a king, and Jesus was not what anyone expected. When John's followers leave, well, Jesus turns his attention to the crowd, those who have witnessed the miracles, and he is mad. He rebukes them. He rebukes the cynical and the skeptical. Imagine how Jesus must feel surrounded by such denial and doubt. He has come to save the world, and the world won't listen. He is the answer, and everybody turns away. That's when he turns to the one he calls Father, and he prays. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. Father, for such was your gracious will. Then, after that prayer, Jesus extends one of his most compelling invitations. It comes in the form of a gentle appeal. Come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Now, this invitation shows up in an unexpected place. 
This has not been a successful time for Jesus' ministry. His own people doubt him. He has rebuked the world for rejecting him. This might be one of those days when he could just call it a day and go someplace else. Instead, he calls on his father. He prays, not a long prayer, just a few words. And then he turns back to the world with this wonderful invitation. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. There's a a lot of irony in this invitation. Jesus is making this to everybody. You might think he'd invite only those who have shown an inclination to show up at his party. But that's the other surprise about God. He shows mercy to everybody, whether we deserve mercy or not. That is the mystery of this invitation of Jesus. First, it goes out to sinners. We are all sinners, burdened by bad decisions, guilt, unkindnesses, little deceptions, big deceptions, unforgiveness. The list is endless. And we all struggle with these burdens because it's hard to carry them alone. But the problem becomes even more dangerous when those loads disconnect us from God. That is the heaviest burden of all. Many of these people in Chorazin and Bethsaida denied that Jesus was the Messiah. They did not know what we know. We know the story. We have the record, yet there are still those of us who deny the reality that Jesus went to the cross and died for us. Yet, the Lord's invitation remains. The Lord's mercy comes out of his great love, a love that is so deep, so wide, so high, so long, that it could have been made to those who denied, who were his enemies. It was an unconditional love. This is not just a theory. This is how Jesus lived his time on earth. And and yes, Jesus rebuked the people who denied him, but then he extended this invitation. Come to me. I just want to have a few words with you. Put that burden down. Take up my yoke. There's no penalty on when you come and how you come. Just come. Do you hear these words? Do you understand? Do you really want to get to Jesus? Jesus continues to call the sinner. The rest that he promises does not mean there is no work. It is this healing, peace-provoking love that comes only through a relationship with God the Father. Come to me and I will give you rest. And of course, this invitation does not stop once you give your life to Christ. That's when you need Jesus even more. John the Baptist was a zealot for Jesus, And even he had times of great doubt and disillusionment. He was human. There is nothing easy about this walk we're on. It's a tough journey. But Jesus never promised it would be easy. So many of us live our lives trying to be obedient to parents, to coaches, to life, and we do everything we're supposed to do, and still somewhere along the way it goes wrong. Sickness, divorce, death. There are so many troubles in life. Where is God in all of this? How can you hold on to the faith in the, in the midst of a faithless time? You can barely hear yourself think amidst the moaning and groaning of a creation that's gone awry, let alone hear Jesus speak. Some people think of Christianity as no more than giving your life to Christ during a service and then sitting down. There's nothing else to do. But what we believe has to affect how we live what we do every moment of our lives. 
As Christians, we are called to live out our faith. An unchanged Christian is a contradiction in terms. When Christ invites you to come, he offers to plant a new life in you. When we accept that invitation, our work then is to work out that new life, working out our salvation. Now, I didn't say we were working for salvation. Jesus did that for us on the cross. But working out salvation involves a number of steps worth noting. We need to make sure our hope is grounded in Jesus and not in ourselves. I constantly have to remind myself of that when it comes to my work as a minister in Roxbury. We are to work to make a break with sin. I'm talking about all those little sins on the endless list, all the guilt, the unkindnesses, the little deceptions, all the unforgiveness that we just carry with us. We are to guard against the influence of the world. In other words, sometimes we have to adjust our friendships, our amusements, our entertainment, our use of time. In order to stay away from the presence of sin, we have to stay away. It's a matter of a changed mindset. When Jesus said, I am gentle and humble, he was talking about something totally unappreciated in the context of his times. The Romans were warriors and conquerors. Humility and gentleness were not held up as virtues. They are not held up now. But those few words are central to the new kingdom of heaven, and they are central to our growing relationship with Jesus. There is always more we can learn about God, but we have to be open to it. When your heart is open long enough and wide enough, you will hear Jesus' invitation more and more. Come to me. You now know the Savior better than you've ever known him. You have some inside knowledge. You are living a surrendered life. That is ultimately what Jesus means when he says, come to me. Surrender is not a popular word, but that is how you have to live your life with Jesus. When you surrender to Jesus, you are modeling what he did to his father. Jesus surrendered. We forget that Jesus never really did anything on his own. He made no move and spoke no word without being instructed by his Father. That's inside knowledge. That's how we learn what Jesus means when he speaks. Come to me. We have to surrender our will. We have to surrender our unforgiveness, our stubbornness, our selfishness, our pride. And we can do it when we hear just a few words. Come to me. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Roxbury Presbyterian Church is located at 328 Warren Street, right in the heart of Roxbury. Come worship with us on Sundays at 11 a.m. This is a listener-supported program. We invite you to partner with us and learn the many ways that love rules. Visit us on our website, RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org, or call us at 617-445-2116. And we are thrilled to extend this special invitation to join us for our fall revival when we proclaim These Bones Shall Live, October 21st, 22nd, and 23rd, starting at 7 p.m. at Roxbury Presbyterian Church. Thank you.